it before we see it. You have to not just see what you have right now, but the possibilities and what could be with God's help. So I just want to share with you this morning, if it's okay, four characteristics of people of vision. Four. If you have a pen or a pencil, you can write it down. All the texts will be here in, your, uh, in the screen. But this uh, story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 14. Four characteristics of a person of vision. Okay? Number one, a person of vision. Read that first part for me, the one that's underlined. Read it for me so I know you're awake. Well, and, and everybody, not just three people. Let's all read it together. It's careful what? First characteristic of a person of vision, a person of vision is careful who he or she shares the vision with. Let's read the text. One day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outposts. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Number one, he was his father. Number two, he was the king. It would be elementary to understand that if I wanted to go off in some type of military endeavor, the first person I should have told was my father, who was the king. But here's Jonathan. He receives a vision from God. And he goes on his own without telling Saul. First thing about a person of vision, you have to be careful who you share your vision with. Especially in the beginning. Because not everybody is happy for your success. Not everybody is as excited as you are for what God is doing in your life. There are some people that are going to hate on you just because it wasn't their idea. People try to shoot down your right. I mean, you come with a big idea that happens to pastors all the time. Not in this church, but in other churches. Pastor shows up with a board meeting with a fistful full of balloons. And people receive him with a fistful of bobby pins. If you wait for everybody to support you, if you wait for everybody to get on the train, your train will never leave the station. Opposition doesn't mean it's a bad idea. It just means it's not their idea. So when God gives you a vision, you have to be careful who you share your vision with. I had a lady that said, she's the nurse. She said, I want to start my own business as a nurse. And she came with a business plan and she researched and she sat, she sat down with her husband. And said, I want to go in business for my own. Instead of working for a hospital, I want people to work for me. And she shared her business plan with her husband. And her husband looked at her and told her two words. What are the two words, he said? Say it. What are the two words, he said? Your crazy and she looked at him and said thank you very much I'm doing it anyway now they have three homes they have people working for her I mean if you are there are some people that have dreams and God puts a vision in your heart as a leader as a pastor 
as a husband, as a wife, as a business person. God gives you the vision and you're excited about it. He gave you the vision. Okay? God usually gives vision to people in times of problems. So here he's giving you a vision and you're excited. And you go to somebody who's not spiritual, who doesn't have your best interest in mind, who's upset that he's not getting the blessing. And then when you share it with them, ah, that will never work. And the three favorite phrases of losers are these. Number one, there's no money. Number two, you can't do it. And number three, it's not time. We always repeat that. There's no money. There's no money. There's people that have like a string in their heart. There's no money. There's no money. There's no money. If, if God gave you the vision, he'll give you the resources to accomplish the vision. Hey, I, I know I'm not black, but I wish you would treat me as if I were. That means talking back. Yeah, yeah. You know, if y'all were talking back to your pastor, and then I get up here and people... Somebody understand what I'm saying? Some people will get upset when you share your vision. Some will oppose it. Some will laugh at it. And some will question it. But the only thing that means is it's not their vision. So you have to be careful who you share your vision with. Number one, a person of vision understands you can't share your vision with everybody. In order to save the next generation, we have to change our methodology. And that rattles some people. Because they've never done it that way before. And we're trying to reach an iPod generation with 8-track music. I'm saying you can listen to Motown on 8-track. And you can listen to Motown on iPad. The music doesn't change, but the vehicle does. You're getting better. Number two. Number two. Second characteristic of a person of vision it gets going while others talk, complain, and rest. Okay? A person of vision is a person of action. You show me somebody who acts, I'll show you a person of vision. When God gives you a vision, you have to act on it. It won't let you sleep. It won't let you rest. Restless people are people of action. Are people of vision. Look at what the text says. Meanwhile, meanwhile what? Meanwhile, what, what does that word mean? Meanwhile. In other words, while the young adults... Okay, are busy doing something. See, what happened with the Philistines, they had taken away all, all the spears and, uh, and the swords. They, 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 I mean, the people were demoralized. There were 6,000. Now there were only 600 remaining. I mean, the, the, the church has, has, has shrunk. They didn't have any belief in themselves. So here, meanwhile, Jonathan is implementing the vision. Here's Saul. He's the leader. Look what it says. Saul and his 600 men were what? What is it? Was They were what? Say it with me. They were what? Camped. They were what? They were camped in the outskirts of Gibeah around the pomegranate tree at Migron. Help me some, with some of these words are hard for me to pronounce. Among Saul's men was Aya the priest, 
who was wearing the ephod, the presley vest. Aiah was the son of Ichabod, brother of Aitub, son of Phinea, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who has served Isaiah. That's a lot of names, but there's a spiritual lesson here for us. Number one, you can't share your vision with everybody. Number two, you have to get going while others sit around complaining. Look at what's happening, okay? There's a problem, okay? There was a problem. Okay? We've identified the problem. The Philistines will get in the upper hand. We've identified the problem. But instead of doing something about it, they were sitting under the tree. Here's three groups of people. Number one, Saul was the leader. He should have received the vision. Number two, the soldiers there should have implemented the vision. And number three, the priests should have confirmed the vision. But instead of doing that, they were sitting under the tree complaining. Sounds a lot like church. Yeah. I think the pastor ought to do that. But why don't you do it? No, I'm just saying. I, I, I can't do it. I, but I think they should do that. It, it's, it's, it's not about... See, what's killing the church is not worldliness. It's laziness. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 20% of the people give 80% of the resources. We have a whole bunch of people sitting around on the sidelines looking at people play and commenting on their play when they never played a down in their lives. I, 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 I believe this with all my heart. I believe that if you're not involved in ministry, you shouldn't talk. The moment you start talking, strips. What were you doing again? Nothing. Okay. Because it's easier. I mean, the, the church doesn't need another opinionologist. That's not a spiritual gift. We have a whole bunch of people that can talk a good game, but will do nothing. And young adults, as we're going to see this afternoon in the, in the class, young adults are interested in getting their hands dirty. They see church as what happens in church stays in church. Because we come up here and we, we say amen and hallelujah. And we have a great time and we go back to our communities the same way they've always been. Church is not what happens here on Sabbath morning. It's what happens after you leave this. You just come here to be trained to go work out there. I went to church. That's not enough. The second, person, the second characteristic of a person of vision is a person of vision is a person of action. I, I had a soccer soccer team in my my last church I was at. You know, I'm from Cuba. We grew up playing baseball, but the church I was pastoring was from Mexico, so they grew up playing soccer. So if I start throwing a baseball to them, they'll probably hit it with their head. That would not be good. So we did a we did a we had a soccer a soccer team, and we played. You know, Sunday mornings we played all. The, a lot of church members came out and. And it was interesting to see, you know, it was me and 10 other people, and we started playing. I'm not good at soccer. I played to support. But since I was the pastor, I always played because it was my team. Um, so I'm, I'm in there, and the ball comes to me. Instead of hitting it that way, I kick it this way. It comes to my head, and instead of making a goal, I hit it over the crossbar. I mean, I, I'm not doing very good. Immediately, there, there are some people shouting some instructions. You know who's shouting the instructions? You know who are the most vocal people in the game? You know who are the most opinionated people about what kind of strategy we should use? You know who they were? 
The people on the sidelines that would come at halftime in our huddle, showing up with a 32-ounce big gulp, looked like he swallowed the ball, talking about, I think you should, I think you should play, you, should, you guys should take the pass route, and Lord rebuke you, shut up. We don't need any more talk. We, I mean, we are educated well above our level of obedience. We talk a good game. We know a lot of stuff. We can recite eschatological timelines. And we can put out a lot of verses. But what God is interested in is us not being his mouth, but his hands and feet. Number one, a person of vision is a person who's careful who he or she shares the vision with. Number two, a person of vision gets going while others talk, plan, and rest. Take a look at this text for one more moment, because there's another spiritual principle here. It says, Aia was a son of Ichabod, brother of Aitub, son of Phineas. Son of Eli, the priest of the Lord. Listen. Don't miss this. What God is telling us with this text is that genealogy means nothing. Tenure in a church means nothing. I was here when Elder Cleveland was here. I was here when I was a founder of this church. I used to, it's not about what you've done in the past. What are you doing for me? Lately, it's not about our family history and whether our last name is Wright or Wilson. It's not about who we come from. It's not about who baptized us. It's not about where we came in the church and what evangelists gave us the 28 doctrines. It's about what are we doing for God now. It's interesting that Eli, from his genealogy, this this priest, Aya the priest, he was wearing the ephod. Is, is this crazy? Or what? I mean, he looked the part. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he did nothing. Big Bible means nothing if you don't read it. Long tenure in the church. There are some people in the church that believe that church offices are their right. They're not. They're a privilege. Just because you've done it before doesn't mean you have to do it again. At some point, we have to, we're going to have to turn over the church to the young people. And it will be better if we handed it over gracefully instead of them having to rip it from our cold, dead hands. It's not about position or stature. Or it's not about status. not about tenure. It's about what you are doing for God. Number three. Number three. I love this text. Well, not this text, this quote. I've searched in all the parks and all the cities and found no statues of committees. Skilling the church is not worthiness, it's laziness. We have committees for everything. Let's meet, let's meet. Well, let's meet about this, let's meet about that. Meet about that. Saturday is all meetings. Meet about, they have a meeting to another meeting. Well, let's have another meeting for that meeting and then meet again and meet again. Have you done anything? No, but we planned it. We had a meeting about it. Let's just touch a neighbor next to you and say, do something. Come on, tell him, tell him, do something. 
Do something. Say, stop talking and do something. I know you wanted to tell your wife that all day. Do, do, do something. Do something. Number three. A person of vision acts regardless of fear. Samuel 13.6 says, when you go, let's go across to the outposts of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Give me, some, give me some other words that, that are like perhaps. Perhaps. Huh? Maybe. What are, what are other words like perhaps? Possibly. Perhaps the Lord will help us. For nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Let me tell you something. If you wait for fear to subside, you never get going. You know why? Because if, if it's from God... You be afraid. If you already knew you could do it, why do you need God for? If you already had all the things in place and had all the funding for it, and had all the, if you already knew it could happen, why do you need God for? I'm, I'm saying this morning that whenever it's a God vision, there's some, there, there's some part of you that's going to be afraid. That you're going to say, am I going to be able to make it? You're going to question yourself. You're going to wonder if it's because God's vision is much bigger than yours. And when that's in front of you, you're like, wow, wow, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do what I need to do. Fear is part of the package. I, I had, a, I had a, 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 guy, a guy in my in my. Well, I had about 35 single guys in, in my church. So uh, one of my goals one year was let's get all these guys married because, you know, stop bothering me. Get married and bother somebody else. <laughs> 35 guys. So this one guy, this one guy in particular, didn't have a girlfriend. And uh, my sister-in-law was living in my house. She didn't have a boyfriend. So I said, you know, This would be a win-win situation. He gets married. She gets going. <laughs> And this is not being recorded, right? <laughs> so, so I said, you know, this, this could work out. This could work out. So, uh, so I told them. I said, Moy. That was his name, Moy. Moy, why don't you go talk to my sister-in-law? She's single. You're single. You know, it could work out. Do you like her? She said, yeah, I like her. I, you know, I'm very attracted to her, and I wish I could invite her on a date. But what if I ask her out, and she refuses? What if I ask her out? And she says, no. I said, Moy, come here. Come here for a second. Let me understand your situation for a moment. At this moment, do you have a girlfriend? No. So if you ask her out and she says no, how is that going to change your situation? Can you be single to the second degree? 
Can you be single and then some? I mean, in fact, it would help you because if she says no, that's one you can scratch off your list. I think when we're older and about to die, the greatest pain will be not from failure, but from regret. Things we wish we had done, but were afraid to try. You know who those bitter old people are? Ones that could have done, but didn't. I'm saying try it anyway. If you fail, then you know that's not the route to go. Show me, uh, a person named Brock said, show me somebody who is afraid to look bad, and I'll show you somebody I can beat every time. We are too careful about our self-image, and I don't want to look bad, and I don't want to fail, and and what if we fail? What are people going to think about the church? Let God take care of his own reputation. You step out in faith. Can I have an amen? I'm, I'm, that, that's why when we pray for six people, for sick people, we always throw at the end that little phrase, right? Yeah. Just, just to protect ourselves, yeah, yeah. just in case, yeah. you know, uh, just to protect. Like, I want you to heal, this, heal him, God, if it's your will. If he dies, well, it wasn't, sorry, it wasn't, you know. It wasn't, your, it wasn't his will. I'm so sorry for you. We want to we wanna protect. Because if we, don't pray like, if we don't pray like that, then God's reputation will be affected. Let God, God is big enough to take care of his yeah, reputation. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you don't put your faith in your faith, you put your faith in God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not about how big your faith is, it's about how big your God is. So you don't go to God and tell him how big your problems are, you go to your problems and tell how big God is. You, you, you know, you, you know, you know, you <laughs> You, you, you don't live your life afraid of what's going to happen. Here are two guys, okay? Jonathan and his armor bearer. Let me tell you, youth pastor. The armor bearers were teenagers. The armor bearers were teenagers. You know why? Because teenagers are the only crazy people that will do a job like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay? And, and we keep saying, yeah, they're the next generation. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're the future of the church. If you wait for them to be the future of the church, there'll be no church in the future. It's not us training the next generation. It's both generations working together to accomplish a goal. It's not I know best and you know nothing. It's we all know together because God talks to young people too. And God inspires music in young people too. I don't believe that God stopped inspiring music in the 1850s. And hymns are wonderful. But we need more music. We need music to reach everybody. I know, I know some of you don't like that, but I'll say it anyway, because I'm leaving tomorrow. We live in a different generation. Yeah. This is the first generation that can fact check your sermon while you're preaching it. I told my son, Jonathan, he died me a spiritual question. I said, when we get home, remember me to show you the text from Daniel that deals with that. When we get home, he asked me, Dad, who's Daniel and why did he send you a text? (laughs) (laughs) The problem is not that they're not listening. The problem is they're not understanding. Fear 
is part of the package. But notice what Jonathan said. He said, perhaps, that denotes fear. What are the two words that follow that? Perhaps is down here. What's the next two words? The Lord. The Lord. Perhaps means I might not make it. The Lord means I'm going to make it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Perhaps means mm, it's, it's a toss-up. Yeah, yeah. The Lord means if he's with me, nobody can be against yeah, me. Right. So you, you, you can, you can yeah. choose to focus on your perhaps yeah. or you can choose to focus on the Lord. Because yeah, yeah. when you look down, yeah. you don't see many possibilities. Yeah. You see your kids leaving church. When you look at, at your life and your finances, you can choose to look at your perhaps or you can choose to look at the Lord. I, I don't know if there's somebody here this morning that would rather look at the Lord. It's much better up there. A person of vision, number one, careful who he shares the vision with. Number two, gets going what others plan and talk and rest. Number three, understands that fear is part of the problem and acts regardless of fear. You don't, if you want to be a person of courage, a person of courage is not a person who is fearless. It's a person who acts regardless of the fear. I don't remember anything worth doing that I've ever done in my life that I didn't fear before I started. Right, 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 right. That I didn't stay up thinking, this, this might just really fat flower on his face. Let me ask you, what are you doing as a church that if God doesn't show up in a big way, you look like an awesome failure? Wow. Because yeah. wow. most of the stuff we do in, in church, you can, you can fall asleep in the beginning and wake up at the end and you already know what's going to happen. Yeah. There's nobody getting saved. There's nobody getting healed. There's no, there, it's, just, it's just church. Yeah. What are you trying to do as a church that's putting you outside your safety zone? That's that's going to make you depend on God like you've never done before. Number four. Number four. First characteristic of a person of vision is the person of vision understands the power of two. First Samuel 14, 7. He's an armor bearer. This is a phrase that I would like every church member to use towards the pastor. I mean, I wish they did. <laughs> do, <laughs> do what you think is best. <laughs> the armor bearer replied, I'm with you. Repeat that with me. I am with you completely whatever you desire. You need, everybody needs an armor bearer. You need somebody to tell you, yeah, you know what? All those 600 people, they're not with you, but I'm with you. And, 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 and Jonathan, who was the president of vision, understood the power of two. Let me illustrate this for you. Deuteronomy 32.30 says, how could one person chase a thousand of them? And two people, in other words, this is easy math. If one person could chase a thousand, then two people could chase two thousand. But that's not, that's not what the text says. How could one ch- person chase a thousand of them and two people put what? Ten thousand. Understand this. Listen to me. Wow. Understand this. Unity multiplies impact. 
We can do much more when we're united than when everybody. It's not your little kingdom. The Sabbath school, this is my little kingdom. The Ewa, this is my little kingdom. We're not a bunch of little kings. There's only one king, and he is not you. We need to work together. Youth, young adults, and adults. People on the left and people on the right. People like to clap when the music is on. People that don't like to clap. We can't divide ourselves into many camps. There's not that many of us. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with this pastor. No, I'm, I'm with that pastor. I'm, I'm with, it, it, it's about old timers and newcomers joining together. It's about self-supporting organizations and in institutional institutions coming together. It's about pastors and lay people. It's not about you doing your own thing. It's about coming together and say, I might not agree with everything you do, but I love you anyway because our common denominator is evangelism. And we're trying to save as many as we can, as fast as we can. And for that to happen, we need everybody. I don't agree with you. We have levels of spirituality based on the food we eat. Here, here's the meat eaters right here. I mean, they're, they're barely making it to heaven. They'll be living in the, in the heavenly ghetto right here. There's, there's, there's people, people and the meat eaters. Then you have another level up, which is the people that don't eat, the vegetarians. The vegetarians, they, they, I mean, they, they'll live in the townhomes in heaven, you know? You know? And then, then there's a level above that who are the vegans. You know, they'll be living in the single houses, single family houses in heaven. They'll be up here. You know, and, and then there's yet another level above them, which is the raw people that only read raw food. Only raw, only raw, only raw food up here. I mean, what's next? Air eaters? Stop making spiritual distinctions about God, something God never intended. Stop looking at people's dishes when there's potluck, seeing if they have cheese. This is the people that have this thing with cheese. The cheese is bad for you. The cheese is bad for you. You know, the cheese, the cheese, the cheese, the cheese, the cheese, the cheese. Yeah, you know, cheese is bad for you. But when else, you know what else is bad for you? A bad attitude. And while, while cheese can't keep you out of heaven, a bad attitude will. So pass me the cheese. Can't, you can't divide ourselves in groups. I'm contemporary. I'm traditional. I'm conservative. I'm liberal. I wear this. I don't wear that. I listen to this. I don't listen to that. We're fighting amongst ourselves, and the young people look at the stupid battles and say, what? In some churches, it's easier to add a fourth person to the Trinity than it is to change the color of the carpet. We fight for stupid stuff. Stuff nobody else cares about. Whether you sing three stanzas or five. Whether you walk up to the platform and sit in chairs or not. Whether you use drums or not. These are secondary issues. And as we'll see in the second uh, message this morning. The reason we're fighting all these battles. Is that we haven't come united in our common denominator. Which is to save as many people as we can. In a short time. as we This is our mission as a church. I don't have to agree with you to love you. I don't agree with my wife all the time. Yet I love her. Four characteristics of people of vision. One, 
You have to be careful who you share your vision with. Not everybody's going to be excited about it as you are. Number two, you get going while others rest and fight and sit around the tree talking about how bad it was. Number three, personal vision acts regardless of fear. And number four, personal vision understands the power of unity. Unity multiplies impact. So I want to pray this morning for two groups of people in this church. Two words start with the letter D. There's some of you that need to discover God's vision for your life. There might be some young adults here this morning that are still wondering what it is that God wants you to do. There's, there's, there's probably some people here that just experienced a divorce and, and you're in a different stage in your life or, or maybe a, a spouse has died or maybe you've changed jobs. You need to discover what it is God's vision is for your life. You need to discover it. I want to pray for you. And number two, there are some people here that need to develop your vision. I mean, you already know what you should be doing, but you've let other people stop you. You've let fear stop you. You let your insecurities stop you. You let the lack of resources stop you. You already know what you need to be doing, but you haven't been bold enough to do it. So some need to discover it. Some need to develop it. If you're in one of these two groups, I know it's not 11.30 or 12.30, but I just want to make a call. I want you to leave your, your, your pews. If you need to discover what your vision God is for you, I want you to leave where you are and come right here so I can pray for you. And if you need to develop your vision, you already know, and you just need a little push. You just need a, a little push. You need God to give you a little push. I want you to come on this side. Discover, develop. I'll pray for you because I believe in the power of prayer. And I believe that God listens to us when we pray. And I believe when we make a public commitment of the desire of our lives, God takes into account the fact that we're sinners and we don't have it all under control and that we don't have all the ideas in the world. But you with God is an invisible it's an invisible power that's behind you. You have in you Everything you need. It doesn't need to come from... When we pray, we're not asking for some power that's somewhere over there. Okay? You have it already in you. Because we have in us Christ, the hope of glory. So when you have Christ in you, there's nothing else above Christ. There's not Christ times two. You have Christ in you. So you have it already. It's a matter of unlocking it. So what we're looking for today is God will connect your dreams with his power. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, two groups of people here this morning. One that need to discover. They're they're in a a time in their lives where they're not really sure what it is that you would want them to do. But you know everything. You have a specific vision that's individual to each and every one of us. I will pray today, Lord, that before this weekend is over, before this 40 days for family are over, that they will discover what their life's vision is about. That you will give them clear indications of what that is. And you won't let them rest until they understand clearly where it is that their life needs to go. There's a second group here in front of me that needs to develop the vision. It's already on paper. It's already in a computer hard drive. It's already in their mind. They've, they've thought about it. They, they've dreamed about it. they even talked about it. But it's time to act on it. And give them 
Lord, the timing is everything. It's, it's in your time. So give him, Lord, the ability to develop the vision. And when we come back together next year for the 44 family, we can look back to this year and say, I discovered and developed God's vision for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Go on and hug somebody next to you. church say amen. amen Michelle just play something for us as we make transition at this time if you were blessed somebody shout praise the Lord yes let's give the Lord a hand praise for the awesome word that we just heard it's phenomenal you can open up the doors so the church literally open the